You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject that I have coming up for you is Shriegel Glansman. He's the fella at the centre of Swiss folk metal titans, Elviti. The reason for the conversation is twofold. The band have a stunning new album that will be released fairly soon. Fairly soon meaning not too far away from the 28th of February when I am narrating this particular introduction. Uh, the album's called Atignatos. I've probably mispronounced that there. We do get to the correct pronunciation through the conversation. And also, they're coming to Australia. I'll read out some dates. They're playing uh, all in May. They're playing in Adelaide on the 15th at the Gov. On the 16th, they're playing in Sydney at the Manning Bar. The 17th, they're playing Brizzy at the Zoo. The 18th, they're playing Melbourne at the Croxton Band Room. And finally, Perth, you get a show at the Rosemount on the 19th. So here he is, Shriegel Glansman. Hello, mate. How are you going? Uh, hello, Andrew. Um, I'm terribly sorry I'm late. This is just the uh, <laughs> weirdest thing that's happened. I actually believed that I just did the interview with you, but I didn't. Um, the thing is, uh, I had I, at 10.30, yeah. I, I, I would have had the next interview for an Australian magazine with a person who is also called Andrew. And we were just chatting, and like a minute later, this other Al, Andrew, he was like half an hour too early. He just yep. called me, and actually I thought it was you. And now well, I just noticed, damn, this, this was a different Andrew. No, that's okay, uh, yeah, John. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, that's no dramas at all. You're actually a popular man, um, because there was John was trying to fit in a lot of people, because apparently a lot of people actually wanted to have a chat to you. So um, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to watch Jordan Peterson's in town. So I'm watching Jordan Peterson tomorrow night. So I couldn't take advantage of having a chat tomorrow night. I had. Oh, to sorry. No, that's fine. That's it's, it's no dramas. If you, if you still have some time now, like. Uh, yeah. No, it's all. It's all good, mate. How much time have we got? Well, not actually a lot, because as I said, like this, this other Andrew. Okay, sweet. Uh, Andrew Massey, I think it was called. He was supposed to call like in 10 minutes, but now this interview is already done, so we have like time until 11, I think. Shit, sweet. All right. Well, let's do it, man. Actually, you probably remember, or you might not, God, how many journalists or indie journalists do you speak to? But we had a chat about a year and a half ago, I think it was. Thereabouts, um, we spoke about Evocation 2 Pantheon before that was released, and I think that's a superb album. I hadn't heard anything like that. Thank you. Because... Um, at the time, I wasn't quite, you know, when I say the, the folk metal genre or tag that you guys get loosely associated with, I didn't, I didn't know much about it, and it's not really my bag, but I really do like you guys, and you've upped the ante again, and I'm going to mispronounce the, uh, the, the, I'm going to say it wrong, okay, the name of your 2019 album. So here I go, it's Atignatos. Is that close? Yeah, very much, actually, the the only thing is that in Gaulish language, the G is uh, pronounces it. So it's uh, actually Atignatos. Okay. Well, yeah, you've been very close, actually. Okay, rightio. Well, I've been listening to it a lot. And I, as I say, I think you, you've upped the ante again on Evocation 2 Pantheon, which, uh, which is extraordinary, really, because you've been at the centre of the band since the band started, I understand, and you've had a cast of musicians come and go, but the quality has just always been on the improve for you. So that's going to be my first question to you. What's the secret? Because a lot of bands, to be honest with you, the quality tends to decline the, older, the, the further into well. their career they go. Now, I'll name a band, Trivium. That's a good example. Now, not, not dissing Matt Heafy and the guys in Trivium at all, and pa Paolo Gr Grigoletto, I think his surname is the basis, because 
they're extraordinary musicians, but I, I really feel that over the last decade or so, the the quality of their music has suffered, I think, because they've had drummer issues and the like. But you've had a whole cast of musicians come and go, mate. So finally, after all that, Shriek, I'll hand it over to you. How have you done it? <laughs> well, honestly, I'm, I'm happy if you perceive it that way. Um, uh, but also, honestly, I absolutely do not know. Like, I mean... I, I wouldn't know what to say here because I really, really do not think about questions like that. Or, I mean, none of us does. Um, so, yeah, we just always just kind of, you know, followed like our gut feeling and, and did what we want to do. And that hasn't changed. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, don't you? Like when bands when bands have, uh, like Cradle of Filth, again, another example, I think the, the musicians that are in Cradle of Filth now I think are extraordinary. I've had conversations with them and um, really like what they're doing. Richard, the guitarist over there, is doing wonderful things. But, you know, there was a period there where Cradle's output wasn't that crash hot and even diehard fans would acknowledge that, but not with you, not with you and and the broader old VT Pantheon because you've you've managed to craft music that withstands the test of time but with different musicians and i guess that's my point so mate you, you tapped into something pretty good there and i think because and i remember our conversation last time you were you struck me as a very upbeat and very positive person and i think that's probably part of the secret because you attract musicians who want to be in that environment so therefore they work hard does that sound a bit right uh, yeah definitely but but i i mean you know i think that kind of is what being a band is about <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I mean, if if you, you know, if you, it, it wouldn't make any sense if you would uh, join a band as a musician where you don't, don't feel the music you're playing. And if, if you're not working hard for it, and you know, like that, that there would be no, no point in doing that. And mm. because, you know, like, I think if you're a musician, if you're a band, then, uh, I, I, I mean, of course, you might have fans and, and, and even a following and, and all that but in the end you always just play your music and you you play it for yourself you know that's mm. that's kind of kind of what it should be like i i think so at least and so there's there's not much of a point in doing something you're not passionate about i, I mm. think so uh, you know what, what you described is definitely correct i think but you know, as I said, I, I guess that's what, what what being a band is about, after all. So yeah, I, I, I take your point. It's just I think look, we being being in Australia, of course, we get a lot of bands at the end of a tour, or it's a long way to travel. So I've seen some bands, mate, that look like they're phoning it in from on stage, and I don't blame them because we are a long way away, and. They might be hungover or they're sick or what have you. But um, well, actually, this is a good point to segue into the next good point to segue into the next question because you are coming down here. So I'm going to do my bloody damnedest to try and be in the audience for this one here because I say to a lot of artists that I'm going to go and watch a show, but I just can't with the two kids and everything else going on in life. It's always hard. But this Australian tour, mate, you must be looking forward to that because you're certainly covering a lot of... You're playing basically all of the major cities I can see. Yeah, we definitely are looking forward a lot to to come back. Definitely, we, we, we can't wait, and that's also, uh, you know, there's a lot to to catch up. Um, that's also why, like, we'll be playing a two-hour set because you know, like, we haven't been in to Australia <coughs> since I think it's more than three years, and yep. we already uh, um, have 
two albums out ever since. So, yep. uh, yeah, like, uh, besides playing, you know, like throughout all our discography, of course, we want to, we want to present you the, the songs of Evocation to Life, but as well, quite a, quite some songs from Antichnaldus, the upcoming album. Yeah. So yeah, we, we're definitely looking forward a lot to finally come back and share some new music with you guys. Cool, cool. Yeah, I was having a chat to Eric from Watain before they came down, and I just caught up with those guys, or watched them, sorry, I should say, on Saturday night, and they put in a tremendous show, but Eric was explaining to me that they Ooh. couldn't bring all of the stuff down that they normally do, like the stage props and the, you know, they I didn't they didn't do any of the goat's blood and the pig's heads on spikes and stuff that you see on YouTube that they do across Europe and, and North America. So is that something similar for you guys? You've got to come down here with a bit more of a stripped back set so or or stage design, so to speak? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, but I also have to say that, I mean, we, we, we've never been a band like, you know, having much, actually, we didn't have any stay props or something. <laughs> we never had. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, no, actually not. I mean, um, you know, we've, we've always been more of sort of this, how do you say, naked kind of band, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we we just go on stage and it's basically about the music and you know I mean there's nine people on stage already so there's probably not even space for much stage props anyway yeah um, but yeah like I mean what we did the last couple of years is to enhance our our light show and but that also will be the case I mean you know Australia is not just around the corner seen from Europe and mm. um, yeah just logistically it's I mean we will do whatever we can and um, our tour manager is already working on it to to get as much as possible but yeah it will be uh, it it will be somewhat downsized shows and but then again i think i think that's also the, the, the cool thing because mm, great, you know yeah. it's, it, it, it's it's music it's and it, it is about music it's a fucking concert so it's not it's not a show it's not you know it's it's about music that's being played and hmm. actually I uh, or we all actually really really like it this you know it's there I, I don't think there should be too much on stage that's kind of distracting, distracting. From yeah the, exactly from the music because the music is what it all is about hmm. so nothing yeah. wrong with that Agreed, and um, I'm going to round back. I just want to single out a couple of cuts from Attic Natos. Um, the one that I like, and it's been out for some time now, but of course he did a video for Rebirth that was released about a year ago or so. I, I remember hearing that and being really excited about I thought it was a once-off single, actually, that you just put it out there to market. It wasn't going to be in an angle, but lo and behold, it's on Attic Natos. But uh, that cut there reminds me of some of your earlier material in that it really connects, this is my view, of course, but I think it connects with the average metalhead. So, you know, the metalhead who, who might not get into a lot of the, the folk aspect of your music, but there's so much great riffage on that one there. So is, is am I on point there that that song was, uh, say, written as a bit of a homage to some of your earlier material? Um, no, actually not. Um, but I still definitely agree with you that it... it it kind of does fit in pretty well with with our earlier stuff and um yeah but but that was kind of a kind of a spontaneous development that 
we actually even haven't been aware of that much. It was, oh, yeah. um, it was, it was kind of a kind of a cool, uh, also weird but also funny experience that, um, you know, uh, in, in November last year I think it was uh, we released uh, a ten years ten ten years anniversary edition of our album Slownia. Yeah, I saw that. And, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, our record company asked me, you know, for for some bonus material for for that special edition, and I was just, you know, browsing through some old hard drives that I had lying around somewhere in the attic, <laughs> um, for, you know, for for uh, uh, home recorded uh, demo versions of the songs for that very album. Yeah. And it was, I mean, that that was a pretty cool experience to to go through this old material. It's like eleven years old, I think. Um, to to go through this material after after all that time again, it was it was cool to hear. But it was actually then that I noticed. Uh, I was just listening to these old demos, and I just noticed that damn, you know, like our, our new songs actually easily. Could also be from that album. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, I honestly just noticed there actually we so we, we haven't even been aware of the fact. But like, I, I mean, on one hand, you know, the the new songs they, I th- I think we we definitely raised the the level like musically. I mean, the guitar work on on Altinados is, is on a pretty high level, uh, skill wise. But still, it it's kind of some uh, like how do you say like back to the root is a little bit yeah for sure yeah i'm hearing that yeah especially on the other cut worship with um the uh lamb of god singer randy but randy bligh i think his name is surname um yeah 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 so how did that uh relationship come about did you actually bring randy in to record in the studio with you or was it one of those things where he where he sent over his his take from the states um (coughs) sorry yeah, that was a that was one of many uh, spontaneous developments uh, while creating Adignados, and um, we we were just in a studio recording the album actually, and uh, I remember it. It was late night or early morning already um, after recording session, and I was sitting in the kitchen uh, of the studio together with Jonas, our guitar player. And yeah, we we were just talking about this intro of the song worship. You know, the it it, ha- it has this rather long, almost a bit cinematic, yeah, uh, apocalyptic yeah. end time kind of intro. And you know, we we, we do have a, a voiceover artist, a narration artist we're working with. Um, it's a it's a Scottish actor named uh, Alexander Morton. Okay, and um. We 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 uh, have been working with him for at least three other albums already, and he's absolutely fantastic. I, I absolutely love his work, and yeah, he also recorded for our upcoming album. But um, that night we we were just talking about the intro of of worship, and we both agreed that Alexander would actually not fit to to the whole feeling, to the whole atmosphere of that song, because it is you know. Alexander has this this old somber voice and this this very archaic Highlander accent and and yeah we we just had the feeling that this wouldn't really match and we ended up and we agreed that 
that actually even some kind of, a, of an American accent would actually fit best. I don't exactly know why, probably because it, it has this like pretty cinematic feeling to it or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, like so we started thinking about uh, who we could ask and then Jonas had the spontaneous idea of, of Randy um, and yeah, we thought that he would actually have the, the perfect voice for, for that narration and you know, we're, we're friends with Lamb of God since years and so I just I just dropped him a message um, but I, I had no idea what you know, where they're at and, and what they're doing at this very moment and um, but then it, it was a pretty cool coincidence. Uh, Randy wrote me back like, uh, yeah, sure. And that's, uh, that's quite convenient <laughs> because we're actually touring in Europe at this very moment. And in a few oh, days, sweet. we're playing Zurich in Switzerland. And um, so, yeah, that was a really practical coincidence. So a few days later, um, our, our bass player drove to, to the venue. They played and picked him up and yeah, brought him to the studio. <laughs> and he quickly recorded. And, and cool. yeah. And, and, Originally, he was just uh, supposed to to speak that that narration in the intro, but uh, then also like spontaneously, he just really liked the song, and then he improvised some some additional vocals in the chorus and stuff. So, so yeah, that, that was that was a pretty nice coincidence. Sweet. What's he like in in the studio? Is he is he a one take guy, or is it one of those things where he prefers to study a line and then move on? No, no, no. He's he's working quite intuitively. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I do like that. I think if you overthink a lot of these things, particularly as a guest on an album, you lose the vibe. You lose the spirit of what it could, what the participation of a absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my minuscule amount of time spent in the studio doing I'd never call it session work, but just turning up and playing because being a bass was to just get you know here's your MP3 or CD as it was back in the day. Learn the CD, turn up to the studio and learn it. And I always usually came back to the stuff that I had figured out first. Because yeah. if you overthink it, that means you get it more complicated. And especially being a bass player, it's very different from vocalists, of course. But people get the shits when bass players play too much. <laughs> I found that people, you got more phone calls when you played hardly anything and just kept the root note really simple. Um, yeah. but I guess that's the uh, that's the bass player's lot, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, honestly, like I, I do pretty much like that for for the vocals, like, but for for our all our albums, actually, I, I mean. I, you know, I usually finish the lyrics in the studio and I usually never have time to, to rehearse or to even think about, you know, like how I want to put the words rhythmically. So usually our vocals are all, all just improvised. So really? I just finish Gosh. the lyrics, uh, go yeah. to the recording room and just do something. And what comes out then, that's what ends up in the album. Hmm. And I, I, I think it's a good way to work, actually. Have you ever sung or found that lyrics about pretty ordinary things like going shopping and filling up the car with petrol or diesel seep into your lyrics occasionally because you, you do what you're doing is you know the celtic mythology and the the pagan imagery and the uh the european thing that you've got going on there but do you find that occasionally some ordinary stuff creeps in um not very much i mean i wouldn't write a song about fuel because i don't even have a driving license so <laughs> there you go that, yeah probably wouldn't wouldn't make that much sense but no but actually not but then again i mean the the, the things i i write about actually do feel you know ordinary they're ordinary for you. Yeah. I, 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 I mean you know it, it doesn't feel like something uh alien or or you know special or something it it's it, it's something that i'm dealing with 
anyways in so many years and something yeah. that also is has its role in my in my private life and so it doesn't feel that odd to write about such topics actually so do you do you develop a character so do you step into the the role of a character when you're developing lyrics say or is it really just your thoughts and feelings on a particular subject matter yeah it, it definitely is yes i i'm i've never tried stepping into a character that much but hmm. um no it's just it, uh, it's basically just what, what yeah <laughs> i don't know what, what what is important to me and what what i feel and stuff like that yeah, cool, cool. Hey, here's a good question for you, okay, because we're living in a pretty interesting time politically, of course, because of the way social media works and people's access to having a voice on the internet. But things like Celtic mythology, pagan imagery, especially pan-European nationalism, some of this iconography, it's been targeted by some groups and journalists in the States and here in Australia, I might add, as well. And it's meant, or well, it hasn't meant that bands in Australia haven't been able to perform, but particularly in the States, Marduk can destroy 666, They've had shows cancelled due to this so-called activism. Now, in my take on it, it's, it's ridiculous, and it's the outcome of intersectional politics. But have you ever had fans or, or troublemakers or people causing a nuisance ask questions about the band's use of pagan and Celtic imagery, trying to infer that you've got any sort of white nationalism going on? <laughs> white nationalism. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, though, don't you? You know, because the guys yeah, yeah. Ma- 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 have been accused. I know exactly what you mean. Um, yes, we, we, we did have that, but to be fair, very, very seldom, actually. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, th- that kind of people are a very good example of like how completely off the minds of people can actually be and how little you can actually understand of what you're actually talking about. And, you know, like, especially if you're, if you're talking about, you know, pre-Christian things and paganism and stuff, and at the same time you say some or think something like nationalism, like only that is the weirdest thing ever, and it's the, the biggest contradiction ever because the, the the concept of nation was invented much later than the pre-Christian European cultures, and it's actually in a clear contradiction to the the basic thoughts of living together in a tribe. So even mm-hmm. that makes it like super stupid to even think something like that yeah yeah agreed it's just ridiculous at the moment the way even some really underground bands that probably sell five cassettes you know like bugger all basically some of these some of these um activists well they're not really journalists but they have a journalist role but they're stepping into the role of an activist through their journalism and they're they're, they're doing things like picking up on some comment that the dragon force lyricist put into a song in a previous band from 25 years ago and they're asking them questions now about what their thoughts are and what they wrote 25 years ago but from the perspective of 2019 and it's it's just i won't name the websites that i know do it a fair bit i think anybody because i'll release this as a part of my podcast series if that's okay but uh, I think okay. the, list, the listeners out there know which ones I'm talking about too. But it's really, <laughs> it's really targeting bands for the sake of um, trying to gain some political currency in this fucked up environment that we're in at the moment, courtesy of intersectional politics. And it doesn't surprise me. It's ridiculous as I've, as I've maintained, but it doesn't surprise me that you've had idiots reach out to you and accuse or ask you questions. You know, are you uh, are you proud of being white? Is that why you do all this rubbish? You know, is that why you're doing? Celtic mythology and all the rest of it, because they've got such a skewed view on everything that 
anything that, like, it's like what they did with Taylor Swift, where they hounded her so badly that she had to come out and say, yes, I support the Democrats or something in the States. You know, it's got nothing to do with you or I because we don't live there. But um, they hounded her so badly that she had to come out and eventually take a side because a lot of the chatter just would not go away. So I think if you're prominent enough, if you don't take a side, and of course, if you're um, pro-Trump, then you'll be hounded out of the role, basically. So you're almost forced to come out with this. Yeah, you're forced to come out with this view that is of the left, and but it's fine if you naturally come up with these things yourself because you've thought about it. But people are being bullied into holding these leftist views, and it's crazy. It's a funny old world, and to see it affecting heavy metal is uh, disastrous, in my view. Yeah, but can I tell you something here? Oh, yeah, you're on. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's pretty, pretty intense, but also very interesting topic, actually. And actually, just regarding our opening album, there's, you know, I, I, I think I told you before that, um, you know, Atichnados is basically the result of, of our work for, for the lyrics for that album. And, you know, the, the album basically contemplates Celtic mythology like in a put in a simple in simple words but um what we did was to to contemplate these ancient parables and allegories that have been written down Mm. partly two and a half thousand years ago to tell people something important and we have been contemplating these these parables not just like on a on a historical scientific level but actually we, we did so as, as individuals for ourselves. And that was a, a pretty intense experience, actually. It, all, it became almost some kind of a, of a spiritual experience cool. somehow. Yeah. And um, the thing that struck my mind is, uh, or, or, or it, I can speak for all of us, I mean, it, it was really crazy to see like how actual and... and you know how how valid these ancient words still are actually yes, and yes and there is a there's a, a cycle of two songs on the album uh it's the songs the slumber and the song worship they, they kind of belong together they deal with the same uh etiological tale and this tale it's it's uh, among the oldest uh celtic fragments we still know about today and it's uh it, Probably we don't know exactly how old it is when it was written down, but it's probably more than two and a half thousand years ago. Wow! Yeah. And so today we do not know what 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 happened back then. We didn't know what the situation was. All we have today is this story, actually. Mm. But the story basically tells um, it tells about uh, the the psychological mechanisms. That goes uh, that they're going on in, in in the human brain when like a, s- a strong leader arises. Okay, and that was that was pretty pretty crazy to see. And um, you know, it, it basically tells what what happens if this dictator-like person arises. And what actually does happen is that most of the people just bow their heads. And accept their yoke and bow to the fucking dictatorship, even mm. though it makes their own lives miserable. They still bow to it because of their own weakness or fear or whatever it was. 
And at the same time, the story also kind of shows up um, what what will lead you out of this. And the story goes that, you know, the people being suppressed by this uh, cruel dictator, um, they kind of got deliberated by, um, by a Celtic god, which, of course, was also like, uh, was, was uh, symbolic. He was a symbolic character in that story. And the, the interesting thing is that uh, the gods that came out uh, from, from the other worlds to, uh, to liberate the people, it wasn't like this Moscow Pact hero warrior kind of god like, like uh, Hercules from Greek mythology or something like that. Hmm. No, it was the god. It was the god Archimedes who is like according to his iconography who would be the opposite that he would think of uh would be able to to fight against dictators because he's usually depicted as this very fragile old man with charred skin and you know bald and yeah completely rugged so you might wonder like why exactly was it this god and that's the interesting fact, because in Celtic mythology, this god, Agnes, simply represents the, the experience that comes with the age. It, it, it represents the sharpened mind, the, the sharpened intellect. And that, that I found so interesting, because it was written down like more than two and a half thousand years ago. And it basically told people like, okay... You have like this super strong politician, and but just use your fucking minds. Yeah, that's basically the, the core of the message. The the crazy thing, just on on this last tour we had in in South America, you know, we experienced a, a similar thing. You know, like with this public bashing kind of things. It was um, yeah, yeah. We we had trouble with one of the the South American promoters and. He cancelled some shows and oh, really? actually kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was a stupid story. But like uh, after that, basically to save his own head, he just went on the internet and, uh, he, and published on social media. He published some, yeah, some just some complete bullshit stories and like inverted the facts and you know wrote yeah. that that we were like you know canceling shows and yeah, he's blah, a liar blah, blah. in other he, words he was lying that, about that, it. that we were uh, being you know arrogant rock star assholes and blah 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 all that kind of shit hmm. and what happened then was really astonishing in a way i mean it, it was completely shitty for us but it was also crazy to see because like even though we uh, one day later we also like published um a statement just like putting the facts right and saying like this is not true and you know but it didn't help anymore people were just like literally like like hungry wolves they yes jumped on what he wrote and we had this huge enormous shit so going on like and our, our social media were just like full of haters it was crazy and that just struck me so much because we were just dealing like with this topic of this old Celtic story that I was um, talking about before. And it just like really almost kind of scared me what what is going on because, you know, with what you just said with this, all this internet passing hmm. that is absolutely possible today, we actually kind of even train the, this very behavior. I mean, we, we but by, by this 
but this behavior on social media is we basically, as people, as societies, we train to just get some some so-called information and just believe them without even questioning That's or right. without yeah. even researching. And we just follow and jump on it. It's just, okay, it's a bit a drastic thing to say, but it's like we train to be the Germans of, you know, those centuries back. When just a guy arises and tells you, okay, we're not doing good, and this is because of the Jews, and then what, what do we do? We just jump on it, believe it, and try and, and, and fight against the Jews, you know, and kill them all, mm. and stuff like that. And by this crazy social media thing that's going on today, we even train to be people like this, and that's what really scared me. Mm, I agree, and and what you what you raise there, one of your final points there. Okay, so if you question any of these authoritarian this authoritarian narrative, because that's really what it is, it's an authoritarian narrative. That means you're the yeah. other, so you're the opposite. So therefore, you are what they are targeting. And as Joe Rogan has said, the eye of Sauron is on you, as you guys felt, and you you experience all of this hate, and it's like there's no pathway to redemption after that either. So. You are what they say you are, regardless of what you truly are as a person and what your intentions are and even what your outcomes are. You are what they say you are because that's the authoritarian mindset. And these Twitter mobs, I, I hate being on Twitter, actually. I can't stand it. It's just people with anonymous profiles. I, I've made a specific point of never posting anything that was could be construed as negative. So no chit-chat bullshit no um responses to things trying to correct anybody everybody's entitled to their opinion whether they're right or wrong i simply don't have a view on that but twitter and to a lesser extent facebook um but twitter and let's just focus on twitter people seem to think that they can say whatever the hell that they want and they round on people and they say oh i hope your kids die and i hope this and that and just awful things that you would never say to somebody's face well, I hope yeah, people yeah, would yeah. never say to their face, and this is the problem that the internet gives people, is this anonymity. And that's where I think this authoritarian mindset has come from, because of the anonymity yeah. of it. And you can create this character on the internet, which is like just an avatar thing. Who knows what the hell people are thinking? But then they go after wonderful artists and musicians like you guys, for the reasons that you've stated, without knowing any of the facts. They just want to bash you. Yeah. You know, what that's do you do, mate? Is, yeah. yeah, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a crazy old world, mate, but I think that's why musicians and artists such as yourself are so important because you give people an outlet. And without musicians and this, this excellent album, Adignatos, without that, I think people's lives are diminished. And I truly mean that. I'm not just saying that to you because we're talking about this, but people need music and they need high-quality music because it gives them an outlet. And you've also just, gosh, you, talk, you, you spoke very eloquently there, so you were talking about in history, so you go back to 2000 or well, well, thereabouts, so I think it's two and a half thousand years ago or so, and read uh, some of these things that sound like as though they could be right now in 2019 in, in our society now. Um, but of course, they happened at a very different time in a very different society with very different people, but the outcomes are more or less the same. A strong leader yeah. comes along, and we're talking these days about the Twitter mob being the leader or the the internet, the faceless people on the internet being that leader. So it's it's almost metastatized into multiple beings, but they're carrying the same voice. It's not no longer coming from one person like Hitler. It's coming from multiple people, and people jump on top of this. And I think it all just comes down to facts. Get your facts straight. If you don't know what the facts are, don't have a go at somebody. And even if you do have the facts, maybe restrained. I mean, we've we've got an issue here in Australia at the moment which affects the whole world. Oh, I'm a Catholic, and um, 
Cardinal George Pell has been convicted of pedophilia. Now, he was the Vatican's third. He was third in the Vatican. So behind, um, not Ratzinger, God, who's in there these days? Pope Francis. Um, yeah. Behind Pope, so third behind Pope Francis. So no doubt he would have, there would have been whole periods of time where he would have been running the Vatican, such as the nature of the way that it's structured. But, mate, I think he's going to go to jail for pedophilia. So, so we're living in a, a very interesting time um, where there are some truths coming out and some people and institutions are being held accountable, but at the same time you've got these rabid Twitter mobs going after people for, well, reasons that they feel are valid but aren't really valid. Yeah, definitely. You know, what do we do, mate? We could solve the world, you and I. Solve the world's problems, you and I, I reckon, if we're given enough time and a few pints. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Cool. I better let you go because you got the next one in about five minutes, haven't you? In five minutes, that's correct, yes. Yeah. Well, again, um, congratulations on doing what you're doing. Long may you continue to do what you do, and I will do everything I can <laughs> to be in the crowd oh. in May when you come down. Thank you so much. Lovely work, mate. All right, no worries. Of course. So thank you so much for the interview, and yeah, have a good evening. Thank you, brother. No worries at all. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject featured Shriggle Glansman, the fellow at the centre of Swiss folk metal outfit, Elviti. Thank you so much for listening.